Amen. I join in with Pastor Odika and welcoming you here on our Wednesday night Bible study. It's so good to see each and every one of you here in the house of the Lord. And I'm excited to know of all of you that are tuning in, whether by Facebook Live or looking at it on television or on the internet or listening by radio. We welcome all of you here with us here at Christian Embassy. How about let's give our audience out there a big welcome. Yes, see these folks are friendly here. So if you ever have the opportunity to come visit us, you hear the friendly folks here just welcoming you. We would love to have you. I do want to take a moment and say thank you to each and every one of you for your prayers, for your blessings of cards and gift cards and gifts and food and all the good stuff for pastor appreciation. I do thank each and every one of you so much. Uh, we've read each card. We've, some of them brought tears. Some of those brought smiles. Some of them were still scratching our head, figuring out what you were trying to say. No, no, not, not really, not really. <laughs> oh my, thank you so much. Um, it's such an honor to be able to, hear, to be here these 27 years serving you as we serve the Lord. He's been faithful, amen, and uh, he's a good God, and we just want to continue to serve him and honor him and advance his kingdom in and through Christian embassy uh, to him be the glory and the honor, amen? Well, let's pray and ask God to just open our eyes to his word this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and open up your word and study it, Lord God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do a supernatural move upon our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears and our understanding and our lives, Lord God, that we can truly comprehend your word. Lord, we don't want it to be like seed that went by the wayside and for lack of understanding, the enemy was able to steal it. Lord, give us understanding that we can hear and do your word so that we can see the manifest of the fruit of the 36th year and a hundredfold that you have so declared in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I just felt so impressed by the Lord to really uh, help us as soldiers start to once again go back and look at something he's given us in this life so that we can live victoriously and in advancing his kingdom. We can stand the ground that he's given us and we can advance the kingdom that he's called us to advance. And uh, so it takes us to Ephesians chapter 6 as we're going to be looking at the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We're in a day and an age and actually a time in the year where even you will see Christians doing and acting and allowing things that violate the Word of God. And, and it can, this day and age, it's more evident than ever before because with social media channels and so forth, there is more, uh, you might would say, openness and transparency into people's lives than ever before. And you wonder, or I thought they were a Christian. I can't imagine them doing that. I can't imagine them allowing that. What are they thinking? And, uh, and, and I was asking the Lord that recently, and he says, unless you build by the plumb line of my word, this world will get you off center and, and you will find destruction will come in your life. So I feel like in warfare and in building and in living our lives, we need to be word central. We need to see the importance of the word. And as Pastor Radik was saying earlier, we don't have the right, none of us, pastors or, or no one has the right to change the word. This is the word. We, we're to understand the word. We're to grow in the word. But we can't say, ah, that may be what the Bible says, but this is the 21st century. This is what we're going to do. We want to line up by the word of God. Let it be the plumb line or the level that we build our lives by and actually that we war by as well because I want to see you live in the victory lane of life. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, beginning, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You've got to put it on now. You've got to put it on. It doesn't, he, God doesn't put this on you. The Holy Ghost don't put this on you. Jesus isn't putting this on you. Father's not putting this on you. Pastor's not putting this on you. Your deacons aren't putting this on you. Elders, you've got to put it on yourself. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan's coming against us, and you've got to be able to stand against that. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 
Therefore, because we're wrestling against these things that the enemy's bringing against us, we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having gird your waist with the truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, taking the shield of faith which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See there, we're focusing tonight on taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We see in Revelation chapter 19, as the war is being wrapped up, what brings the victory? Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one, except him, uh, that no one knew except him. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, and now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with the rod of iron, and he himself treads the winepress in the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he who has this robe and on his thigh a name is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we see as we even coming back with Christ riding on white horses, we see that there his name is called the Word of God. And then in Hebrews 4 and 12, the Bible says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This Word of God is the only thing that now a physical sword can pierce into your flesh and can take your life, but this sword can pierce even the dividing of spirit and soul. It can get down, the Bible says, even to the joint and marrow and the discerner of the thoughts of the intents of the heart. It can, it can pierce in and bring life. Hallelujah. So this sixth piece of the armor that Paul is talking about, the sword of the Spirit, which is identified as the Word of God, it's both a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon that would be used in warfare. And without the sword, you would just be a heavily armored moving target. You'd just be like a tank without a gun. But the sword is that which gives us the ability to advance because it has an offensive effect as well. Now, in Roman times, the Roman gladius, he would be called, or it would be called the sword, the Roman sword, the gladius, became known as the sword that conquered the world. That's written down in your history books, that that sword that the Bible's talking about the Word of God is like, it was known as the conqueror of the world. And it was designed with clo in, in close-range combat uh, when it was fierce that it could be used skillfully in a Roman warrior's hand and it could take out the enemy, even enemy that had armor on, its sharp pierced point could press through, break through, pierce through even some heavy armor and give the victory. Now, what God is wanting for us here at Christian Embassy is to make sure that we're trained in knowing how to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and when it's believed in the heart and maneuvered through the mouth, the Word of God can take out the armies of darkness that are coming against you and pave the way for you to uh, usher in the kingdom of God like nothing else. We've got to learn how to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You will either use your mouth to push you forward, or you'll use your mouth to push you back. What we've got to learn is to get the word in our head, in our heart, out of our heart, through our mouth, from, from a heart that believes, and when that word is spoken in faith, let me tell you what, there's no forces of darkness that can stand against it. The word of God, used correctly, can change your situation. 
I'm here to encourage everyone who's tuned in right now, the Word of God used correctly can change your, your situation. See, there is a real enemy. Somebody know what I'm talking about. And he is trying to come against you to kill, steal, and destroy. That, Jesus said, is fact. And your success, I'm telling you, is going to require change. And every one of us needs to make some changes in our lives in order to see the next level that God has for us. That's why we need the Word of God. Because the Bible is a book about change. It provides hope for change. It provides the keys to change. It provides proof that people can change. And it provides examples over and over and over of those who have succeeded in their goals that through taking what God said, using what God said, and walking into what God said. So we see that God's Word can change people. It's changed them all through the Bible, and we've, we know people, we can see in our own lives how the Word of God has come in and changed their lives. And I pray that each of us can testify that the Word of God has changed us for the better. You get the Bible, you see there was Saul, he was a tormentor, he was a terrorist, he was coming against the Christians, coming against the people of God, but he was changed, and he became the Apostle Paul, and he became a mentor of Christians, and he was changed through an encounter with God, and when you read of his change, your faith will leap forward, because you see, when he met the Word in person, Jesus Christ, his life was changed. Let me tell you what, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And the Bible says that the Word came and took on flesh and dwelt among us. And then when Jesus left, He gave us His Spirit, and His Spirit has breathed this Word. We have the Word of God, which is alive with us even this evening. See, the Word of God is an offensive weapon that can help you change your situation and advance forward. I want you to just picture for a moment a situation that maybe you're not 100% completely happy with, a situation that needs some change. Maybe it's dealing with a relationship. Maybe it's dealing with health issue. Maybe it's dealing with something at work. Maybe it's dealing with a neighbor. I don't know. But there's something you're really not 100% happy with it right now, and, and you would like to see some change come to it. Well, I'm here to tell you the Word of God can help you change that situation and advance it forward towards kingdom purpose and kingdom principles because the Word of God brings change. Your circumstances can change. I don't know about you, but I've been in places before where if I had to stay there and I didn't have the hope that things could change, I really, would, I really didn't care to live anymore. But I'm here to tell you that God has better plans for you, and he can use the Word of God in your hand, used correctly, in your mouth, used correctly. You can use the Word of God to bring change to those negative circumstances in your life. Your circumstances can change. I, I, I don't know if you needed to hear that tonight, but I'm, I'm going to bank that one. I, I, I've got so much good going on right now, but I'm going to bank that one because I know the devil's not giving up. The devil's going to come. I understand that. And when he tries to bring something negative in my life, I'm going to know I've got the resource and the power of God's Word that I can bring change here. You look in the Bible and you see the story of Joseph. How remarkable uh, was that in his life? Someone's anger put him in the pit. Someone's anger and jealousy put him in the pit. Someone's lie put him in prison. But his faith in God and his word put him in the palace. You can see how God can work the things that the enemy meant for evil and turn them for good if you'll stick with God. Don't get into doubt. Don't get into fret. Don't get into anger. Don't get into rebellion. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. And let the Word be the lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path to walk out of whatever the circumstance situation is into what God has created for you. I feel like somebody needs to hear this. Your finances can change. That's why the Word of God is so important. 
1 Kings 17, verses 8 and following, we see there was a widow at Zarephath. The Bible says she was, in, she was impoverished. She and her son were about to die. They were going to fix their last little cake of bread and eat it. And after that, they had no resources. They had nothing left they were, that was facing their last meal. But Elijah brings the word of God into their situation. And when Elijah brings the word of God into their situation and they heed the word and they act on the word that God brings, everything changes and now there is uh, 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 more than enough for her and her son because Elijah is eating as well until the famine is over. Your finances can change. Your physical condition can change. One woman had an issue of blood for 12 long, long years, the Bible says in Mark 5. And the medical advances of her day couldn't help her. All of the money she had couldn't help her. But the Word of God shows shows us that her persistence to touch the anointing, to touch Jesus the Christ, to touch the, the Word that had become flesh, brought change into her life. I'm here to tell you the Word of God can bring change to your physical condition. No matter what it is, if it doesn't line up with the promises of God, you need to not settle with what your physical condition is. You need to settle with the Word and say, my, my body is going to line up with the Word. I'm not going to take the Word and drag it down to line up with where my body is. You've got to understand that we're in a war and things in war are not always pretty, but you've got to learn how to fight and you've got to learn how to fight smart and use your weapons so that you can win. And the Word of God will help you offensively move forward and win every time. Your life can change if things... I know at one time... I was walking in darkness. I was on my way to, to hell. I was born in sin. I was a sinner. I, I had sinned many, many times, and the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he can be as a brand new creature. All old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Your life can change. I am evidence of that. You are evident of that. And uh, as that person that Pastor Rodica just met, it can be evident as well. There's going to be a life change. And when he calls on the name of Jesus and the light of heaven fills his soul and the warmth of God's love flows through his spirit man that I guarantee you he'll probably be a great evangelist unto even his people group that he loves so much in trying to bring them to America I'm telling you the word of God can reach into the darkest the coldest heart and the darkest soul and bring the light and the love and the warmth of God and cause a man or a woman to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. We've seen it happen over and over and over as it even happened in our own lives. I'm here to tell you your sinful nature can be changed by the Word of God. Yes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the Word of God births conviction, it births repentance, it births transformation. Uh, we see in Romans 12 and 2, we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Word of God. The Word of God can change you. The Word of God transforms. The Word of God sanctifies our mind. That's why we need to study the Word, memorize the Word, meditate on the Word. But more than that, live the Word. Walk it out. Walk it out. You know what? You need to be walking out the Word of God in your life. The Word of God changes our view on authority. I don't know if I've ever really met anyone that that enjoys submission to authority. But the Word of God guarantees that God will honor us in it if we will uh, 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 submit to proper authorities that are over us. Romans 13 and 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. So as we submit to authorities that are over us, we're submitting to God. And if there's an authority over us that's causing us to violate the Word of God, then we know that authority is not ordained of God. That is an authority that is ordained from the darkness of hell. It's part of the warfare coming against us. But when you are, have the light of God's Word in you, you can see. You can see right and wrong. You can see day and night because the Word of God exposes that. Uh, the Word of God changes your view of children. I know we've met with people before, young couples, and they say, well, it's not God's plan for us to have children. 
And, uh, and, and we're like, why is that? Well, children are cursed. Children are, you know, a burden. Children are, you know, we'll never financially get ahead. We had one couple tell us, we'll just never financially get ahead if we have children. But Psalms 127 and 3 says, Children are, an, are heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. So, so the children are not a curse. Maybe you've witnessed how people didn't raise children according to the Word and, and being led by the Word, and the forces of darkness work through those little whatevers. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can raise your children to serve the Lord. You can raise your children with a, in a way that they will, they'll take it to the next level of, of, of God's kingdom. We watch our children, and we're like, man, God, you're, you're better than, than we ever dared to be uh, because we couldn't have... We couldn't have made children better than, than the children. Now, are they perfect? No. Are they being perfected through the Word of God? Yes, like all of us. But children are not a curse. You know, the Bible says that they are a reward of His and an inheritance of the Lord. The Word of God can change your view towards work. And I know a lot of people need to get in the Word over this because they look at work as, uh, that's part of the curse. My life is not to work. But I think Adam was tending the garden before they ever violated uh, the command of God. The Bible said he was, he was tending the garden. God, for what, six days he worked, and on the seventh he rested. So I've always said if work's good enough for God, who are we to think that we shouldn't have to work? We should, be, we should thank God that we can work. Now, we want God to direct us in our pursuit of fulfilling our purpose and our destiny, not just going and punching a clock just to pay bills. We want to discover the gift within us and discover the purpose within us and use that to advance God's kingdom. And then when you get paid doing that, then it's not really work as the world sees it. You're just getting paid to do what you were created to do. Hallelujah. So work is, uh, is a good thing. Ecclesiastes 5 and 19, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. So even to, to rejoice in your labor, all of that is a gift of God. Paul gets pretty tough in 1 Timothy 5 and 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So work is something the Bible will change your view on and maybe it will help you change what you're doing because if you're doing something outside the call of God on your life, uh, then that may be why there may be some frustration there. But damning work is not biblical, okay? The Word of God changes our focus in so many areas of our life. Uh, we can be introspective. I mean, that's deadly. Self-absorbers, that's deadly. Selfish, self-centered, that's deadly. And the Word of God helps bring us into focus. Uh, the Word of God enables us to focus on God's plan, and, and which is so very important because uh, what you focus on affects your faith. With Job, when remember Job? When he was in, the, what name wasn't Job? His name's Job, okay. When he was in the middle of his adversity, uh, things weren't going too good. But the Bible shows when a shift took place. And that shift took place when he took his focus off of himself and he put his focus on his friends. And you see it there in Job 42 and 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So, so spending time with God and getting a revelation from God, he was like, wait a minute, I've got the folk, my focus is, is on me and everything's woe is me, everything's woe is me. Let me tell you what, if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. But when he took his focus and started praying for his friends, we see God begins to turn things around in his life. See, God tells us that it's so important that we be used by him, let him flow in us and through us to bless those around us. It is such a blessing to be a blessing. Amen? What a blessing to be a blessing. And it is so important that we learn how to be a blessing from the Word of God. It is our manual for life. It is our sword to fight. It is the, the light by which we see to walk. It is the very breath of God by which we breathe and live. It is the bread of life by which we eat. The Word of God. We, we use this sword and communicate this great workbook that God has given us, the Bible, 
that is such an awesome responsibility that we have, and I don't think God delights in many excuses. Uh, you know, I, don't, I think trying to discount it with excuses doesn't work with God. It might get you by with some people, but I don't think it gets you by with God. See, God gives, the reason I say that is God gives everybody faith. Romans 12 and 3 is given to each and every one a measure of faith. God gives seed to the sower. So he's giving you the measure of faith and he's giving you seed that you can sow. How are you going to manage it? How are you going to manage it? Everybody here right now listening to me has 66 bags of seed, the Bible. You got 66 books here, 66 bags of seed to start your cycle of harvest in your field of life. God's given it to every one of us. You, you didn't have the same parents. We didn't have the same educational background. We didn't have the same economic privileges or setbacks growing up. We didn't have the same opportunities growing up. But as Christians, we all have the same God, the same measure of faith, the same bags of seed, that the, the Bible, and the same sword to fight with. Every one of us had the same thing. So it's even ground there. So don't get mad at other people who are using their seed more than you are. Man, that's a terrible thing to do. See, God is not a respecter of persons. James 2 and 1 tells us that. God is not a respecter of persons, but God does respect principles. He does respect principles and the principles of how we use his word and, 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 and walk in his word are going to make all the difference in the world. So if something's breaking out in Mary's life and not your life, don't get mad at Mary. Bless Mary. Just bless her. Come on now. Mary, be happy. Glory. Hallelujah. It may be that Mary's reaping a harvest that she planted before you, you ever sown any seeds. Maybe she's got seeds in the ground a lot longer than you. Okay? Maybe that Mary's doing something you're not doing. Maybe you want to learn from Mary rather than condemn Mary. It may be that a revelation that she's acted on and she didn't wait on it. When she got that revelation from the Word, she just began immediately and you're still processing it to see whether or not you can phase it in or phase it out. Okay. It may be a level of obedience she's walking in and you're not walking in. But God is not a respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of principles. And He's not going to change that for you and He's not going to change that for me. See, if you see God's blessings manifest in someone else's life, don't criticize it. Become a student of it. That's such an important statement there. Don't criticize it. Become a student of it. And because words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. Think about this. As long as they were talking to Jesus when he was on the cross, he couldn't die. He finally says, John, see, take, take, take mom. She's now your mother. Take her. Y'all go. So he gets him focused on her, and then he's able to die. As long as they were talking to him, he couldn't die. Now, there's a principle there. If you have something that you want to live, you need to talk to it. If you have something you want to live, you need to talk to it. you want something to die, stop talking to it. If you want your marriage to live, talk the Word of God to it. If you want it to die, stop talking the Word of God to it. If you want a dream to live, talk the Word of God to it. The Word's the only powerful thing that you can bring from heaven that will change things here on earth. And if you want your, your, if you want your dream to live, talk to it. If you want your children to live, talk the Word of God to it. Amen? If you want anything to live, you've got to talk to it. But if you stop talking to it, then it's going to die. And if there's something dead, you say, oh my goodness, I didn't know this and I let something die. Well, if it's dead and you want it to live again, start talking to it. God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, he says, these dead bones that are in this valley, he says, I want you to start talking to them. Start prophesying, start speaking the word of God over it. And, and as Ezekiel began to speak the word of God over those dead, dried bones, then what happened? They began to shake, rattle, and roll and come back together. And the army that had been slain there is now alive and they're all strong and ready to fight again. So if you've let something die, prophesy to it. Prophesy to it. Prophesy to your marriage. Prophesy to your children. Prophesy over your body. Every ailing organ, every cell, every body part, every system that works in your body. Pro prophesy over it. Bring the Word of God over it. 
Prophesy over your checkbook. Prophesy over your business. Prophesy over your career. Prophesy over that dream of being debt free. Come on, speak the word of God to it. Speak the word of God to it. Prophesy to your vision. I'm not the head. I'm not the tail, but I'm the head. Hallelujah. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Speak the word of God. God's words are heaven's currency. God's word is bringing what God has already established in heaven that he so desires to be manifest on the earth and you prophesy, speak that word, speak the word of God and bring it into existence in your life. God's words are heaven's currency. Oh my goodness, we got to learn his word. It's why we got to meditate on his word. We're speaking his word to ourselves. We're speaking the word over and over the word of God. See, God will trade anything you have need of for a word. Hallelujah. You just got to get a word. You got to get a word from the word, from the word, from this double-edged sword, from this living, living word of God. Get the word of God on it. And if you get a word of God on it, heaven will release it to you. Praise God. So what? think about it. You don't need money. You just need a word from God on money. Right? Pastor Radica was sharing something with you earlier. She didn't know what I was going to preach tonight. They asked me what I'm going to preach. What do I tell them? I'm preaching on Jesus. That's what I always say. Uh, uh, Caleb's going to be speaking to the youth. Uh, he was asked to speak to the youth. It's going to be one of his first times. We were talking on our way here about, uh, you know, he was like, I said, well, what are you going to speak on? He says, Jesus. <laughs> I said, man, that came back to me. That came back to me. He said, no, 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 really. Uh, Dad, I, I'm just joking. Yeah, I, I do need your help. So we, we were talking on our way here, some of the things he's going to be sharing, and he was asking my opinion on. Uh, so <laughs> that one came back. But you don't need money. You need a word on money. I'm telling you. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the money and all that stuff, houses, land, all the clothes, all that stuff is going to chase you down, okay? Because God will exchange the word for the money. Praise God. I'm telling you, the easiest money that has ever come in my life was when I put God first. I'm honoring Him with the tithes and the offerings and blessings and whatever He says be obedient to. And He says, even in this building program, I remember we were in this building program and He challenged us to go and do some, some big pledges. Remember some of us in here, we, woo, and uh, well, we increased. We got so blessed through those pledges. It's like, my, so I was just thinking, you know, we've still got a debt on this building, you know? It's worth $5.75 million dollars but there's still some debt on it now, the majority of it belongs to us praise the lord as a church but there's still a debt on it. i said you know what we need to do some more pledges we need to stretch ourselves and give that faith giving and and, and believing i'm because i'm ready i'm ready to go to the next level because i we grew so so much while this church was growing and i just i was thinking about that even this week i'm like wow we saw so many amazing things in the church, I was talking to Steve Bunting, you know, our contractor, uh, stepped out and got his own business now, so he doesn't even have to go to anyone over him to build churches now and see if they'll help be beneficial. As with us, he was always going to the president saying, you know, can we do this for them? Can we do this for them? Can They need this, and instead of us charging them, can we do that? Now he owns the company. Hallelujah. So I was just talking to him this week, and he says, Pastor, he says, I, I'm just, I, I'm still in awe of the miracles we witnessed building Christian Embassy. And I said, well, get ready because we're going to speak into some land right now and we're going to get that land in the name of Jesus. They didn't, don't even have it up for sale, but we're praying for God to move on the hearts and change. They don't need those trees back there. And uh, we get a family life center and we'll get something that the community can use in our gymnasium. And my goodness, uh, we've seen with our own life in homeschooling networks that there's such a shortage of gymnasiums and these Christian families are begging, pleading, standing in line. Can't even go to practice because uh, there's not enough gymnasiums in the area to be able to use it for, for bringing the Christian body together. We go and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and there are parking lots packed coming and going. And I'm like, wow, this is such a need. And for us and the school here and our church and the family life center and a commercial kitchen and be able to get us all together for a, a feast uh, once in a while, that would be a blessing as well. Amen. 
So I just told him, I said, brother, get ready. He said, well, well, we're, we're opening up for shop mid next week. He said, we're ready to go. And I'm like, come on, we might be one of your first ones. He said, no, I've already got four contracts of ready to go. I said, okay, we won't be your first one, but maybe we can be a part of, of your first year of experience. Praise God. God's words are heaven's currency. Uh, it, it, see, it's not that you need a healing. You need a word on healing, and God will exchange the word for the healing. Hallelujah. It, it's heaven's exchange. If, if, if God wants to get something to you, he gives you a word on it. That's just part of his procedure. That's how he works. He'll give you a word on it so that you'll hear the word, believe the word, you receive it, you believe it. Now you confess the word and now the word is not only working in you, but the word is flowing through you to uh, advance the kingdom of God around you. It's God's plan to have a herald, those that would go and herald, to speak the word of the king ambassadors that would go and speak the word of the king and the kingdom that is coming so that everywhere the word is heard and believed, there the kingdom is established at the hearing of the word. That's why it's so important we have preachers. That's why God is called preachers, so that we can hear the word. How will they believe if they don't hear? How will they hear if no one is sent? And, and he says, blessed are the feet of those that will bring the good news. The word of God is God's plan. Hallelujah. And most of our praying is going to God and asking Him for the end results. And let me tell you what, that may sound good, but it usually is not going to work. For example, recently I was walking through the woods and I stopped and studied this huge, probably 40-foot oak tree. And uh, as I was standing there just looking at the maturity and the grandeur of that, that big oak, I was just amazed at the strength and the presence of that great tree, thinking about the storms Undoubtedly that it is weathered over the years and, and the animals that have made their homes and raised their families and all the stuff and the leaves and how it's given that chlorophyll is uh, taken into sunshine and chlorophyll and it's caused oxygen to be released and given us life and, and all. It's just, it was just amazing. And as I was standing there looking at it, the thought came to me, you know, that huge tree started with one acorn. Not a basket of them, but one acorn, just one. Something small as a marble made that big tree. Now here's how we pray. God, I want the 40-foot oak tree. Okay, God, I want the 40-foot oak tree. And God says, uh, you do? You want the 40-foot oak tree business? You want the 40-foot oak tree life, life a bank account, uh, health? You want that 40-foot oak tree? Okay, great. Here's an acorn. We're like, no, 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 God, we want the miracle. A miracle. We want the 40-foot tree. Poof, give it to me. And he gives us an acorn. See, a 40-foot oak tree is the end result of one nut who stuck it out through the process of time. Amen. And I pray that I could have some, some nuts in here that are willing to stick it out through the process of time. Your pastor hadn't called you nuts in a long time, okay? <laughs> but you know, we go and we pray for the end result and God in return gives us a seed on him. And he says, this is how the kingdom works. A sower went out and sowed the seed. He says, I'm teaching you, this is how the kingdom works. If you understand this parable, he said, you'll understand how the kingdom operates. This is how it works. The sower went out to sow a seed. So he gives us the seed in his word, whether or not we're going to plant it by believing it and now sharing it, confessing it, sticking with it, persevering and not backing down. We will see the fruit of that. He tells us in Mark 4 and 28, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full ear of corn. It doesn't happen overnight. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be consistent in this thing. And he's the one that gives, he supplies the seed to the sower, 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now what does he increase? He increases the fruits of your righteousness and what does he multiply? He multiplies the seed that you have in a container. 
The seed that you have in a dusty book laying on your coffee table. The seed that you have on a shelf somewhere or an app that you don't ever open up. No, the seed that you sow. You've got to sow the seed in order for him to multiply it. It's not going to work unless you sow the seed. And God has provided it. He's given it. I'm telling you, you can go th read through uh, history and there, every dictator and atheist and every authority that could ever rise up has tried to wipe the face of the earth from this miraculous seed of the Word of God, but it still rem remains the best-selling book of all time, the most translated book ever in the history of the world. Why is it such a miraculous book? Because God has provided the seed. He has given us the seed of his word, but we've got to take it and sow that seed. He gives us the word so that we will use the word. And, uh, and see, God doesn't give us a word just to get a chill bump, okay? A chill bump's good. I'm, I'm nothing wrong with getting a chill bump or a goose bump or whatever you want to call, call it, okay? Uh, but he's not giving you the word just to give you a goosebumps. He's not giving you the word so you've got arguing material, you know, there's some people, oh, we don't, talk, we don't talk religion and we don't talk politics because none of us will ever agree on it. Well, that's Satan's plan. Isn't that Satan's plan? You'll never agree on the Word of God, the Word of God that gives life. You're always looking at it to see what you can argue with rather than believe, receive, and release in your life. Man, it sounds like Satan's winning there. Okay. You know, sometimes you say, you know, I'm just, a, I say, I'm, st I'm a student of the Word. I don't fully understand it, but from my understanding of it now, God knows my heart. I'm going with what I understand. And Lord, if you want to show me and change me, I'm open to that. I'm a student of the Word. I'm not a zealot of the Word. I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not a scribe that, that I'm going to hold to. I've got to, I've, I, I want to learn. I'm ever growing. I'm telling you, I've been studying the Word of God over 30 plus years, and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper and richer and richer and broader and broader and more powerful. It just, it's alive. It's alive. I can't get to the end of it and I never will. So I know I'll always be a student of the word. And he gives us the word so that we can begin to sow the word and exchange it for something that heaven is trying to get into our life. God wanted to create the world and what did he do it with? He did it with a word. In the beginning, God said, he released the word and the Holy Spirit took that word and brought it to manifest. God wanted to save us and he did it by sending his only begotten son, the word, John 1 and 14. God wanted to heal us and what did he do? He sent his word and healed them. Psalms 107 verse 20. Whatever you need, he sends a word for it. I needed salvation. What happened? The word became flesh. Everything begins with words. So in order for me to sow the seed, I've got to talk it till it hits the right place. That's why we have to make our confessions. And it's not just a one-time deal. You've got to make that confession until it hits the right place. Because manifestation always follows sound. You hear the engines of a jet long before you see the jet fly over. The sound gets to you first, and then you see the movement. You've got to learn to make a sound opposite of what you're going through. If you're not happy and what you're going through doesn't line up with the Word of God, you've got to make a sound opposite that. See, people normally allow our tongues to take on the nature of what we're going through. Right? And let me tell you, what, that's the danger that Jesus is speaking of. Where we let the power of our words become curse and become death rather than life and blessing. So, so by your tongue speaking the difficulty you're in, please hear this, by your tongue speaking the difficulty that you're in, it helps perpetuate the difficulty you're in. You wonder why in this thing, well, I can't get out of this rut. I can't get out of this rut. Oh, well, it's me. Nothing ever goes right for me. I get three steps forward and knock four steps back. This isn't right. I've always, I was born on the wrong side. I've always been turned down. I've always been rejected. I've always been hurt. I've always been the last one picked. What is going on with this? It's always me. Woe is me. Now, that flesh, that flesh, and you walk by the flesh, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, but the flesh likes that and says, come on, let's work up a case, work up a case. But I'm here to tell you, if you want to come up out of that rut and you want to build a bridge over it and get to where God's destined you, you've got to make a sound opposite of what you're going through. 
Because when you begin to talk about how hard it is and how bad it is, you're lengthening the days of your adversity. No pastor wants to see you lengthen the days of your adversity. Nobody that loves you wants to see you lengthen the days of your adversity. The Bible tells us in James 3 that a ship is driven by fierce winds, but its destiny is determined by a small rudder, which is moved by the desire of the pilot. The pilot moves that little rudder by its desire, and the fierce winds are now taking the ship to where it needs to go. You and I, we've got to learn to desire the right thing. We've got to learn how to say the right thing. And I'm telling you, you can't go by your flesh to know what to desire. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to say, God, what do you say about a situation like this? Because I want to get up on your Word and let your Word take me into what His promises are so I can get out of this thing. Hallelujah. So you've got to learn to say the right thing in the midst of all hell breaking loose so that you can fight that spiritual warfare with this sword of the Spirit and come through it victoriously rather than bound and staying in that hellish condition. So very important. Because the winds are going to blow fierce. The Bible says they're blowing fierce. But I've got my hand on my tongue and that what I say will set me free. Because my tongue is the rudder, I'm the pilot, and if I align my tongue with the Word of God, even though the devil's meaning the wind to be fierce and get me off course, the rudder is going to cause me to go to my destination. You've got to make the sound first. See, folks come to church and say, oh, I want God to do something great for me, yet they sit quietly just waiting. I'm here. I showed up. When are you going to show out, God? No, you've got to give God some praise and He'll begin to move in you because God inhabits the praises of His people. He moves in when we praise Him. He doesn't say, I move in and then you praise me. He says, you praise me and it stirs me and I move in into your praise. That means if you give God just a little praise, don't expect too much. Come on now. Because you actually control the dimension of God's movement in your midst. Because God is always here. God is not on vacation. He is not checked out. He is not over in Europe, stuck somewhere. You know, He's everywhere at all places at all times. He is here right now. Just as much as there's a radio signal AM, there's a radio signal PM, there's television signals right here, right now. There are satellite signals in this air right now. And if I were to tune into them, you could see it. Well, God, His Spirit is here right now. The miracle-working, supernatural, all-powerful God of heaven is here on earth in our presence right now. We don't have to beg Him to come. He is here. Hallelujah. Remember, you hear the sound and then you see the manifestation. If we would become a church that would start sounding off, like sounding off like heaven, hallelujah. We see what they do in heaven, holy, holy, holy. We see what they do in heaven, worthy is the Lamb of God who was and is and is to come. We see they're bowing down, they're worshiping, they're dancing, they're celebrating the goodness of God. Let me tell you what, we start sounding like heaven, we'll start experiencing heaven. We, there's no sickness there. We start sounding like heaven. We'll start experiencing heaven. There's no broken poverty and busted and disgusted in heaven. We start sounding like heaven. We'll start seeing heaven. And that's what the Word of God is. It's the seed that we have that we can sow with the sound of our words. You remember Elijah? He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. There had been no rain for three and a half years. And now, you know, you think if, the, if this thing was going to break, it probably would be a drizzle, but no. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And then he said, get the king off of the mountain. There's a mudslide coming when this great abundance of rain begins to fall. He heard the sound before the manifestation. There came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, the Bible says, at the day of Pentecost, before tongues came, before the church was birthed. The sound came first. Oh, let us, let us take the sound of the Word. Whatever we want to see on earth, let us take the promises of the Word of God and start sounding them all, and you will see heaven will come chasing us down, seeking first the kingdom of God, seeking first His righteousness, doing it the right way. You're going to see the stuff runs you down. Blessings will chase you down. 
Remember Jericho. All that marching did not move a brick. All of that marching did not dislodge their gate. But when it was time to move something, what did they had to do? God said, release a sound. And when they made the sound, the walls came down. you got to make a sound first. You don't, oh my goodness, we all go, woo, when we feel good. But go, woo, when you don't feel good and the feel good will come. you got to make a sound first. If you're, if, you're, if you're racked with pain, make a sound of healing and healing will come. If you're racked with depression, make a sound of joy and joy will come. If you don't like where your life is headed, make a sound. Change, change the sound so you can change the direction. Hallelujah. Now I want you to see Jesus using the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit uh, as I kind of wrap things up here. Here's an example right here of Jesus and the cool thing is it is the very next act, the very next play, you could say, in Jesus' life after he teaches about the seed and the sower and the soil. And, uh, so, you know, he said the, the hard soils, the lack of understanding, the seed didn't penetrate, gets stolen. He said, but there was good soil, and that is where the seed goes in, there's 30, 60, and 100 fold. Then there's the rocky soil and the, and the soil with the weeds and so forth. But that's not where our focus is tonight, okay? Your goal is to get the seed in the good soil, okay? If there's weeds, if there's preoccupied things, get it out. Repent, get it out. Get the hoe, dig it out. Get the shovel, dig it out. If there's rocks in there that won't let you get rooted deep in the Word of God, that keeps you surface Christian, you know, you only believe the Word when everything's going good, but when the sun comes up and it gets hot and things get hard, then you wither up and die, okay? So, you know, you get past understanding, but you got a thin veneer, you know, fleshly relationship with the Lord. Okay, emotional relationship with the Lord. Got to take it deeper than that. Get the rocks out. And then there's preoccupied. Other things of the world choking out the cares of God's Word. Get, get, you got to be sanctified. You got to say, God, cut these things out of me. I don't, I got to put this aside. I got to throw this to the side because it's hindering me. It's hindering me. You got to get the good soil because that's where you get the fruit, Right? And uh, the good soil is the only place that will pull the potential out of the seed. Now, when Jesus is teaching this parable, the Bible says on the same day. Say that with me. On the same day. Not even the next day. On the same day. Because here's our greatest teacher. He, this is his teaching principle here. He teaches his principles and then he demonstrates it. If you'll study Jesus' life, sometimes he would demonstrate it, then teach it. Other times he would teach it, then demonstrate it. So he's taught on this, what I'm teaching on, now he's demonstrating it. Mark 4, 35. Yeah, we're up to the screen now. Okay. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So he put a word on it. We're going to the other side. That was the word of God. We're going to the other side. Right? Now, God watches over His Word to perform it. You've got to learn that. So that means you may, you may have some birds of the air. You may have some warfare because the sword of the Spirit is a part of the armor of God to fight, right? So you're going to have some opposition. Wake up. Wake up the person beside you. Say, you need to wake up not only physically, you need to wake up spiritually because you're going to have warfare, don't be deceived. You're going to have warfare. Okay. So, but God's watching over his word to perform it. He cannot lie. And his word will not return to him void, the Bible says. So he said, we're going where? To the other side. He made a sound. He said it. Period. He made the sound. Now look at verse 36. When they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. Now, what did Jesus just tell them? When you sow the seed, the enemy is going to be coming through the air to come against it. Okay. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, so, now Satan's coming to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Now, now, look at verse 38. And he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Don't you love that? I like sleepy faith. Now, sleepy faith is not lazy faith. Sleepy faith is faith where you're so confident that you can go and rest on it. That's when you believe it. You believe it. You're just like, I go to bed. I don't have to, I'm not living in anxiety and worry. I, you know, I, God said it. That settled it. Now I've said it. Now it's coming from heaven to earth. It's going to be manifest. 
See, you can be at peace while you're moving towards your destiny even though opposition is coming against you. Right? Right? Right. So they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, the right translation of that would be little faith there because here Jesus took care of the storm because he was, he was frustrated with them. He was basically saying, I just got through telling you how this thing works. I speak the word. It's supposed to hit your heart. The enemy is going to try and bring a storm. I just told you all this. He's going to try to make you believe that the storm is bigger than the word. Okay? He's going to try to make you believe the word was a lie and the storm is the truth. When you've got to believe the truth is in the word and the storm is a lie. So either you're going to believe what's in you or you're going to believe what you're looking at. Now the thing on the outside is trying to tell you that the thing in you is lying and the thing on the inside of you, the Word of God in your heart is trying to tell you the thing that you're looking at is lying. Until you learn that right there, you will find victory or defeat in every circumstance. You've got to get it in your heart and believe it and know that the Word that is in you is more real and more permanent than the thing that is coming against you. Because as long as you believe what you see and what you feel is more real than what the Word of God says, the enemy has you. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. We walk by faith, not by sight, the Bible says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So I've got to remove myself from what I'm seeing. Somebody get this. You've got to remove yourself from what you're seeing and start going by what you're hearing. The Word of God. And Jesus here was so frustrated and it was, not bec it was because, you know, they just they didn't get it. They, they wouldn't stick with it. It was good while the, the wind was good, while the waves or the sea was good, but as, long, as soon as the circumstances turn negative, they turn negative. And before we throw out stones at them, we got to look at our own lives. Man, when everything's going just right for us, we're happy, we're happy, clappy, sappy, everything good. And when things don't go our way, we can show another side. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He was trying to get them to use the word that they had and the faith that they had to do to the storm what needed to be done. He said, I've been teaching you. This is the enemy's going to come against you. But this is how you overcome. you got a sword. It's a double-edged sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's alive. It's sharper. Than the, uh, come on, he says, you got to use it. And you have little faith. Uh, one of the other uh, uh, Gospels emphasizes the little faith, which is not sized like a seed, but short-lived. It's kind of like the rocky soil, surface. The seed went in, sprouted really quick, but as soon as the sun came, because of the rocks, the roots didn't go deep, and it scorched and withered. Pop-up Christians. Pop-up saints. Woo! God is wonderful. He's awesome. And then next week you meet them and they're cussing. Like, what happened to you? Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. Did, Jesus said, didn't you know? I told you immediately when the word goes out, the seed goes out, the birds... Or coming. The sun's going to come scorching. you got to learn how to get rooted in this good soil so you can be multiplied. Hallelujah. So I ask you in closing tonight. Sorry about that. The, the kids, they, they were telling me that there was one preacher they were listening to and they said he closes, I think they said 30 times. They were counting it. They got so caught up on counting how many times he was closing and he didn't close. And I said, do I do that? And they said, Dad, thank the Lord you don't. Well, I think tonight I kind of I slipped a little. <laughs> but in closing, are you willing to align your heart's desire with the desire of heaven and become this responsible pilot to use your tongue? Picture yourself a pilot, a captain on a boat, a pilot on a ship, has the res responsibility to turn the rudder 
on the back of that ship that'll cause it to either go into safe harbor through the storm or be lost at storm. Will you come to the destination that God has created for you by using the Word of God? <clears throat> or will you miss that destination? <clears throat> because you use your tongue in a way that doesn't line up with God's Word. The sword of the Spirit, God's Word. It's so amazing. This is just scratching the surface. We could go another five hours on this, but we're not going to do that tonight. I just wanted you to see the importance of the sword of the Spirit that God has given us in and through His Word. This isn't some ancient book, a relic of old. It's alive. It's alive. Hallelujah. And it's a double-edged sword. Glory. Hallelujah. If you celebrate the God of the Word and the Word of God, let's just stand together. Oh God, we just stand and celebrate your presence here tonight. We celebrate your goodness. Lord God, we hear your Spirit saying, if we don't like what we see, change the sound. We're going to change the sound. We're going to put a word on it. We're going to put the word in the atmosphere. We're going to bring the word into our family. We're going to bring the word into our health. We're going to bring the word into our wealth. We're going to bring the word into our business. We're going to bring the word into every circumstance and situation. And Lord God, we're going to see heaven manifested on earth in and through our lives as we honor you as ambassadors for the Lord. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise. Thank you, God, for giving us this time together to study your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody's in? Amen. How about everybody put your hands together and let's celebrate our uh, men's softball team. Just won another huge championship. And the last night, and then our co-ed team, I think it's Friday night, right? I'll be playing a, 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 a tournament on Friday night as well. So let's keep them lifted up in prayer uh, as they're going out on Friday night. If you can make it, go and join them. I think that's at the uh, Greenbar YMCA as well. Yes. So see Brother Jeff if you need to uh, get any more details than that. But our, our, our young men have done another tremendous job adding another trophy to their trophy wall out there in the foyer. We just uh, thank God for protecting them and giving them another victory. To God be the glory. God bless you all. Have a good night. God bless you. Amen. And amen. Yes.